0: So glad you're here today. We are in the middle of a series uh, called God will make a way. Come on, say God will, make a way. God will make a way. And every week we've been walking through the life of Moses, looking at what Moses' life looks like and, uh, and kind of just really trying to observe the idea that we see God making a way where there is no way and we journey through the life of Moses and realize that You know, I'm realizing that Moses wasn't which we're going to talk about today. Moses wasn't all he was cracked out to be in the beginning. Uh, He really was a little bit of a challenge for God. And at the end of the day, though, we have to realize that God, our life, everything in our life, every test, every sickness, every challenge, everything you're facing in your life is really about two things in your life. Number one, uh, do you trust in the Lord? Like he's trying to get you to trust him because his way is better, his life is better, his, his outcome is better. Like, do you trust him? And number two, are you willing to remember that this isn't about you, it's about the glory of God? That as a follower of Jesus Christ, we died to our dream of success and recognize that God's glory is the only way. And so we say, Lord, I trust you and God, you're going to make a way and your glory, uh, let your glory be known. Amen, church? Amen. And so we see that uh, through the life of of Moses here today. But what we're going to talk about is this. I want you to repeat after me. The answer is no. That's what we're talking about today. The answer is no. (laughs) How many of you, uh, parents, um, have had a season with your children um, where uh, they begin to argue with you rationally? Where you begin to argue with them and their arguments make a lot of sense. Anybody here have experienced that where you're talking with your child, you're giving them some instruction, they argue with you, and you're like, I don't care what you say, just do it, but dad, and he gives you this, like, like amazing, like, argument to why it shouldn't happen at this moment in this way, and I'm like, that's a really, really good argument. Like, you're totally right, but I don't care if you're completely right, just do it anyways. You know, take the trash out. But dad, if I waited until the garbage man rolled by, I don't even need to put it in the bucket, man. I'll just throw it right into the truck. It's like, yes, very good. But no, do what I say. And sometimes I feel like the answer is always, no, no, but what about? No, retort, argue. You know, and I find actually that my son is uh, very much like me. And my son is an amazing uh, arguer. He is, uh, and and he can, honestly, and he's smart. I'm like, shoot, that's a really good idea. Like, I should have thought of that. But do it anyways, you know. And he uh, he's very smart. And what I realize about my son is that Ezra looks like my wife, but inside he is all Ryan Iver. And as my son begins to, you know throughout the years he's getting a lot better now I will say he's more compliant he's you know when he's tired he will argue and he'll definitely argue me into a hole uh but uh I've found that as I watch him argue I think oh my gosh that is me I reflect back on my life, and I think about my mom and dad who are watching today, and I say, oh my gosh, that was me. I remember my dad used to say to me, Ryan, you could, be, could have been a lawyer. Now, I'm not smart enough, like David, to actually do any of the work, but I can argue my way out of anything. And man, I reflect back on my life and realize, oh, he got that from me that I used to argue with my parents. My parents would say, Ryan, I want you to do this. Ryan, I want you to, I want you to go there. And I'd say, no, God. No, no, my, my dad, I call my dad God. So that's kind of, I say, no, dad, like, no, I don't want to do that. And I had a reason and I'd argue and I'd go back and forth. And it was a tug of war for my dad's will versus my will. And a lot of times I made a lot of sense, but at the end of the day, it wasn't about whether I was right or wrong. The, 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 the whole point of the whole interaction was that, God, that I would learn to be willing. That I would learn to say yes. That I would learn to be obedient. Parents in the room, listen to me. Especially dads. You are the voice of God for your children. When you teach your children to obey you, they are learning how to obey the voice of God. And so don't let them get away with being disobedient. Because if they're disobedient to you, guess what? They'll be disobedient to God. We learned something over my life. I look back and that's I realize, wow, I are, was an arguer and I realized I was an arguer with God that I, 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 there was moments in my life where I look back and say, oh my gosh, like how many times did God ask me to do something or give something up? And and I remember years, I, I don't drink anymore. God convicted me to stop drinking and my wife's name is the Holy Spirit, so she said stop or like you're gonna sleep in a, in a backyard by yourself, you know? So I quit drinking and that's, you can drink if you want, but I can't, so there we go. But I remember times in my early 20s when the Holy Spirit would convict me and say, Ryan, you shouldn't drink. And I think, like, oh, that's just religion. That's just, religion. <laughs> that's just the, the religion of the church telling me I can't drink. No, I think that was the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of me to help me on my journey. But I was like, no, God, I got a better way, God. And I know my way. I reflect back on my life and realize that the answer was often no. And what God wants for our lives is just a simple willingness. It doesn't mean that you're completely ready. It doesn't mean that you completely got your life all sorted out. It doesn't mean that things are perfect. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that you even really fully honestly trust that god has it all in control did you know that god actually wants to use you even when you don't fully trust him did you know that god actually wants to use you even when you still got some stuff in your life did you know that god still wants to use you and he still has a purpose for your life even when you know things aren't going perfect and even when you're still struggling and even when you're still falling flat in your face well there's a big lie in the kingdom of god today that you have to be perfect to fulfill god's purpose that you have to be in a place of, man, I got to know my Bible, or I got to be able to pray, or I got I to get this sin out of my life, or I got to do this, or I got to have a perfect sacrificial obedience to God. Then God will use me. That's a lie. God just wants a simple ounce of yes. Yeah, yeah. He just wants your heart. Yeah. And that's where we come today in our story with Moses. We realize something about Moses as we look back. He, you know, very interesting. Uh, we can look back at his life and realize really quickly this pattern. You know, we realize just by way of helping you bring you up to speed for those maybe who... Haven't been here or haven't heard the story of Moses. He grew up in his home for you know four or five years with his mom and his dad being taught about Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah, El Shaddai. He was taught about the ways of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And eventually, uh, because of an agreement they had made with uh, Pharaoh's daughter, they brought this young child back to the courts of Pharaoh, and he became a uh, an adopted son to to uh, to Pharaoh's daughter. So he was Pharaoh's uh, grandson, adopted grandson, and he 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 he. Lived lived in in, in in Egypt for 34 years, 35 years, being taught all things about pagan, pagan religions and Baalism and, and philosophy and science and education. All things disconnected from Yahweh Jehovah God because they didn't know Yahweh Jehovah. And so Moses was being trained these things, yet along the way, God was stirring something in Moses' life. He was feeling the call of God, remembering who he was, and I'm a Hebrew, I'm an Israelite, God's called me, and something was stirring in his heart to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And if you remember, and you read in in, in this story, Moses one day at the, you know, turning around 39, 40 years old, decided, you know what, I know God's calling me to redeem these people. I know God's calling me to make a difference. I know God's calling me like, I don't feel like I fit in in Egypt. God's called me to be a deliverer. And so one day he went out and many theologians believe that there was a taskmaster who was brutally terrible to, uh, to the people of Israel and that Moses heard about this taskmaster and thought to himself, I'm going to go and murder this guy, take him out and fulfill God's purpose on my life and be the redeemer of Israel. He goes out one day. And as you know, the story, he saw, sees this guy beaten up on one of his fellow friends and, uh, he kills him, throws him in the sand. Goes home and the next day he rolls into the same spot, thinking everyone's going to put him on their shoulders and oh our redeemer. And instead they're fighting now and Moses is like, what the heck are you doing? And he says, well are you going to murder me like you did the Egyptian? And he realized, oh my gosh, they they're turning on me here. And then Pharaoh sends out a bounty for you know all these assassins. You know are like John Wick four. You know all out to go get him. You know and here's this uh, you know Moses thinking, oh my gosh, I got to get out of town. Packs his little duffel bag, runs to the end of town. Single guy, forty years old, looks around and says, where do I go? I'm going to go this way, and ends up in Midian, and here, as you know, he walks into Midian, and stumbles upon a well, and meets his wife, and gets married, and has kids, and starts a great career as a shepherd, and for 40 years, he spends his time, we actually don't see the beginning and end, we don't only see the beginning, and we see the end of the season of Midian. We don't see anything in between. We don't see the stories of Moses fighting off bears uh, that are trying to attack sheep. Or we don't see Moses frustrated with God because he was once the, the next in line to be Pharaoh. We don't see any of those things in that season. All we see is the beginning and the end. The Midian season is often a silent season, but God is preparing you for something great. You don't. You wonder, God, what's going on? And I feel like I've been forgotten and I feel like I'm broken and I feel like I'm lost and I feel like I don't know what's happening next in my life. And God, what's going on? You might be in the Midian season, just wait, a day will come when God will show up in a burning bush and he'll say, are you ready? So here's my encouragement to you today. If you're in a Midian season, get ready, get ready, get ready. Don't delay in the process because if you delay in the process, God's going to come and say, are you ready? And you might be like Moses and say, nope. We come to this moment, Moses is 80 years old. 80 years old. Now in those days, 80 is 80. (laughs) It's not different than now. I want you to know that. We're not like in the back of the days of, what was his name? You know, Methuselah, where he's a thousand years old or whatever. This is normal, skin and bones like you and I. He's 80 years old. Any 80-year-olds in the room? I know my, my parents are in their early 70s, and my aunt's at 84. And I know what 84 looks like. And I know, I'm telling you, 80 years old, and God shows up to you for the first time. You have an encounter with God. You're standing there like, what is this? And God shows up and says, hey... Dude, this is holy ground, bro. Take your shoes off, man. Show some respect. Moses rips his shoes off and realizes he's standing before the very God that his mother and father taught him about. He's standing in front of El Shaddai, Jehovah, Jireh, Yahweh. He says, oh my gosh, this is God. He's standing before 80 years old. I mean, he lived a really comfortable life for 40 years. Think about it. I had a great kids, great wife, great job. You know, posh. You don't really, it's kind of, you know, kind of a comfortable life. Things are going good. You know, honestly, God, like, I am kind of thrilled being where I am. I don't got to worry about the action. I don't got to worry about politics. I don't got to worry about the problems of Israel. I just get to kind of enjoy my life. Things are comfy. I got my house. I got my white picket fence. I got my two kids. I got my really cool boutique, uh, you know, poodle dog, whatever. And things are great, God. I am super fine doing exactly where I am. Don't you dare get me out of my comfort zone. God shows up to Moses and he says, the place you're standing is holy ground. And we see this pattern begin to happen in the life of Moses. We see something begin to happen where God shows up and there's no chit-chat. God doesn't say, hey, how's your day? Man, how's that sheep going that you were working with? No chit-chat, no preparation, no warming Moses up. God shows up and he begins to talk to, 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 uh, to Moses And this is what he says, his very first interaction, other than, come on, take your sandals off, take your shoes off, for the place you're standing is holy ground, this is what he says. Then the Lord told him, I have seen the deep sorrows of my people in Egypt and have heard their pleas for freedom from their harsh trespassers. Listen, I have come to deliver them. Moses, you thought you were the hero of the story. You ain't, I am. See, I need you to hear this. You know, it might take you 80 years, but did you know the Midian season is to remind you that you're not the hero of the story? That it's not about you? That it's not actually about your success and about your prosperity and about your fruitfulness, even though all those things come because God is good and faithful? Did you know that this whole journey is more about God being the deliverer and God showing up in your life and God moving in power and God doing his work? I don't think I hear enough amens in the room. Did you know that even though you face hard times, you think, God, what's going on? He says, listen, boy, it's not about you. I got a bigger purpose in mind. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. I know you were comfortable. I know I'm shaking things up. But you need to hear me today. There's a bigger picture here. I've got you involved in it, but it ain't about you. I am the hero of the story. And he says, I have come to deliver them from the Egyptians and take them out of Egypt into a good land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to demand you let my people out of Egypt. He's like, God, I'm a shepherd. Dude, I, I'm done with that old life. Forty years, man, walking around with these sheep, loving my wife, having kids. You want me to now, 80 years old, to shake everything up and go and do this ministry Moses is very clear here that he is a bit of a rational arguer like myself and my son. Look how Moses retorts. I'm sorry. Verse 10 says, now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to demand he let my people out of Egypt. And Moses argues, he says this, but I am not the person for a job like that. Now, many of us think if we reject God like that, oh, you're going to get rejected. But God is so gracious that look what he does. The next verse, then God told him. God speaks to Moses again. I will certainly be with you. Moses argues back, four, chapter 4, 1. They won't believe me. They won't do what I tell them to do. They'll say, Jehovah never appeared to you. They're not going to believe me. He retorts again. God is so gracious. He comes right back and he says this. He goes, the Lord spoke to Moses. And he says, what is in your hand? I will provide for you. Everything that you need in this season, I'm going to give it to you. Moses, I know you have really good reasons why you shouldn't do this. I know that you could throw the garbage bag right into the garbage truck. But I need you to hear me today. I will be with you right now. Moses argues back again. Moses pleaded, Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. I've never had been. I'm not now. Look at this. Even after you've spoken to me. For I have speech impediment. Lord, even after you came to me, even after you spoke to me, even after you impacted me, even after I was in your presence, you still didn't heal me. You still didn't take away my, my, the very area of my life that's insecurity. You still didn't remove from me the feelings in my life of feeling like a failure or a shortcoming. God, even though I've been in your presence and you've called me, I still feel inferior. I still feel insecure. I still lack confidence. I still don't know what to do next. God, I've been with you and the problems that I had before still exist and yet you continue to speak to me. You continue to call me. And God says, listen, look what he says, verse 11. Jehovah asks him, well, who makes mouths? (laughs) Is it an I, the Lord? (laughs) Isn't it interesting that he says, who makes the mouth? Which would imply this, hang with me here. God's intention was for Moses to have an impediment. He says, you didn't heal my impediment, my speech impediment. And God says, yeah, I created you like that. God, I'm so short, or I don't look this way, or I'm too tall, or, you know, or God, I've got this physical ailment, or God, I've got this issue in my life, and God says, yeah, who made you? But God, the world says, this isn't good enough, or the world says, I don't look like that, or the world says, I don't dress like that, or the world says, or the world says, or oh, the world says, and God says, yes, but who made you? Wow, come on. Who formed you? Who, who, who gave you breath in your lungs? Who gave you the opportunity to do what I've called you to do? I have. I didn't call Aaron. I didn't call Mir- Miriam. I didn't call your parents. I called you. And I knew you had this problem. I knew you had a stumbling issue. I knew that sin issue was in your life. I knew you lacked confidence. I knew you were insecure. I knew that you were struggling in your walk with me. I know all of those things. I am God. I made you. I'm with you. I am but a breath in front of you. Aren't you aware that I am the creator of heaven and earth? Of course I know exactly where you're at. I have called you. Moses argues back. Moses says, Lord, please send someone else. No. (laughs) I won't go. How many of us in this room today watching online are just like Moses? And I'm gonna just say some, this could be a little harsh, so I want you to hang with me. This is not in my notes. It's a prophetic thought for you today. How many of you here today are living in the know? God has something more for your life. God has something deeper, farther, better, stronger, higher, deeper, like bigger. God has something more, but you are so caught up in your insecurity, so caught up in your impediment, so caught up in your insecurity, so caught up in the the unforgiveness of your past, so caught up in what's happened that you're saying, God, no, I want to stay in Midian. I don't want to start that ministry. I don't want to join that team. I don't want to be in that church. I don't want to launch that environment. I don't want to be in that relationship. I don't want to restore my marriage. God, I don't want to go there. And God's saying, why? I made you. I formed you. Don't you know that the failures and the weaknesses of your life, I am fully aware of those things, but we are living in our no. We're comfortable. We're happy. We're settled. We got the picket fence. We got the the, the 401k, or what do we call it here? The RSP." Like, we got all that thing figured out. I am good in the hood. Don't mess me up. And he comes to you and says, yeah, but I want to use you. No, God, I got this issue and I'm a happy camper. He's saying, no, I want to use you. Look what God did. Do you see the pattern? God argues, God responds. God, or, or Moses argues, God comes back graciously and says, I'm going to be with you. Mo- Moses says, well, I don't want to do that. God comes back and says, yes, but I'm going to be with you. Moses says, yes, I got problems. He says, I'm aware of that. Trust me, I'm God. But guess what? I still want to use you. This constant pattern is all throughout Moses' life, and it's articulated as an unwillingness in Moses' heart to be obedient to the things of God. But I need you to catch the big idea today. Despite the fact that Moses was absolutely and unequivocally unwilling, God still spoke to him! God still said, I want to use you. God still said, okay, I hear you, son. Yep, that ticked me off. Now, I will say this. I will put this caveat in there. God did show up to murder Moses. Ooh. Many theologians believe that Moses got very sick. I'm just going to let you weigh this out in your theology. You know, some people would say, stick this in your theological pipe and smoke it. Or for the Christians, put this in your theological burrito and eat it. Like whatever you want to do. So you can do what you want with what I'm about to say. Moses said no to God and God's response was to come to Moses and he got sick. I'm just going to say this and I want you to hear me. I'm not implying that you're sick because you don't have enough faith. I'm not implying any of those things. I just want to throw it out there and let you deal with it. I wonder how much of the situations of our life are due to our unwillingness to follow God. And the Lord says, fine. You don't want to follow me and you don't want to do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to let you experience what it's like to be without a yes. And Moses, God showed up and tried to kill Moses. And the Bible says, as I shared many times, that that Zipporah immediately circumcised their son and threw the foreskin on Moses' feet. It's because Moses did not fulfill the, 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 the Jewish law of circumcision that was established by Abraham. And so he wasn't, he was an incorrect relationship with God at that moment. And so what they did was the blood of a circumcision, the bridegroom, the blood of the lamb was put upon Moses' feet. And at that very moment, he was redeemed by God. The the wrath of God, the anger of God was appeased. That's what God has done for us. You say, Ryan, I have a sin issue. Yes, but God died on the cross. There's, this is weird, but there's a foreskin on your foot. (laughs) Wow, that'll be a t shirt. There's a foreskin on your foot. But God, like, I, I just got fired and lost my job. Yeah, but there's a foreskin on your foot. <laughs> I just broke up with my, 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 my long term relationship, or I'm single and I want to get married. Well, don't worry, there's a foreskin on your foot. <laughs> Jesus died, and He died so that you can be used by God even in your failure. That he can use you for his purposes, despite where you're at. And this is where this is all coming from. I believe there is a large percentage of people in this room and watching online that are missing out on what God has called them to do because you've settled into your no. And he's put that foreskin on your foot. He's died on that cross for you. And you said, yeah, thank you, Jesus, but I'm happy with my Midian. Thank you for dying for me, Lord. I'm happy with where I'm at. And God says, well, that's fine, but I didn't create you and make you to just be happy with where you're at. I created you to fulfill my glory. (laughs) i created you to make a difference for my kingdom i created you to go out and do what i've called you to do i've created you to do much more and yes does it require sacrifice Uh uh-huh yeah does it require you to lay down your finances sure yeah does it require you to like make effort and you know you know change relationships and do things you never thought you would do and not be comfortable at times and run the risk of living by faith and not by sight Uh uh-huh yeah absolutely it does because that's what it means to be a true disciple of jesus christ Many of us are disciples, but we're not living the life that God has called us to live by saying, yes, God. And this is what my concern is, is that you're afraid of the yes. Because if you say yes, God's going to change things up. Well, he just might. He might just take your perfect life and mess it up. And you say, God, why are you doing this? Because I'm in control and I've got a greater purpose. And I'm trying to get you to the Promised Land. And there's people impacted here—your children and future generations, and people around you. Did you know that your yes—it doesn't just impact you and your life. Your sacrifice makes an impact for generations to come. Amen. Now I need you to hear me. None of this is in my notes. This is the Holy Spirit speaking right now. That foreskin part was the Holy Spirit because that's kind of weird. I think it's funny too. He died on the cross for your sins, not just so you'll be forgiven. He died on the cross for your sins so that you will fulfill his glory on the planet and that you will be ushered into the new heaven and the new earth and the life you live there will be determined by the life you live here. Did you know that? You're like, what? Go back and listen to Heaven and Hell and our Revelation series. That'll help you. Okay, let's keep going. See, Moses uh, finally decided, okay, even though though Moses was arguing with God, he still had a bit of willingness because we see Moses Kept doing what God was telling him to do. But he had unwillingness. And finally Moses was like, okay, I am going to do what God's called me to do. And he shows up, moves to Midian. We talked about this last week. He moves to to Egypt. He he gets uh, into Pharaoh's court with Aaron. He's got the God staff in his hand to do miracles. He's got Aaron, his mouthpiece at his right hand. And he walks down the way into the palace. And he walks in and says, let my people go. And, Moses, and Pharaoh says, you got to be kidding me. Who's God? And what are you talking about? And I'm not going to do any of that. What do you mean? Like, who's God? Like, what do you mean God says? Who's God? Like, I'm God. I'm Pharaoh, man. Like, what are you talking I never said that. <laughs> and then he finally says to them, you know what? Stop distracting the people. And what he does is he goes and makes the Egyptian people or the Israelite people work even harder. So now they've got to create bricks and all these things and collect their own materials and it's a harder labor. And and the people now are upset with, with Moses. So Moses finally has willingness, and I need you to hear this because I'm going to repeat a little bit of last week. He finally has the willingness to go and do what God called him to do, thinking that it's going to be this, you know, epic adventure and everything's going to be incredible. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to start that business and I'm going to be a billionaire next week, praise God, or I'm going to plant that church and man, 3,000 people are going to come the next week and hallelujah. And you get there and all of a sudden what happens is Pharaoh rejects you Israelites turn against you and you're thinking what I finally have willingness and all I have is failure and this is what Moses says he comes back and he's ticked with God then Moses went back to the Lord. Lord he protested the word means argued whined before God how can you mistreat God like like I thought you had good character how can you mistreat your own people like this Why did you ever send me if you were going, like, why did you do this if you knew I was gonna fail? Ever since I gave Pharaoh your message, he's only been more and more brutal to them and you have not delivered them at all. And then God in his graciousness after Moses is being a very good rational arguer, comes back and says, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. He says, don't worry, I'm still gonna use you for my purposes. And Moses comes back again. Exodus, I'm sorry, verse nine. I don't see it in here. The Lord said to Moses again, he told him, go back again to Pharaoh and tell him that he must let the people go. Okay, I want you to go again. And Moses retorts, but, but look, God, my own people won't even listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen to me? And the Lord speaks to him again. When the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, he said to him, I and the Lord tell Pharaoh the land of Egypt, everything I'm going to tell you. And Moses argued with the Lord. I can't do it, I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh even listen to me? Back and forth, and back and forth. God says, you got this you can do this. I know this is hard. I know this is a hard season. I know you don't understand what's happening. I know you look before you and you see challenges and struggles and hardships. You look in front of what I'm asking you to do. And I know that you're in this season and you're thinking to yourself, how did I even get here? God says, I'm with you. I will deliver you. I will speak through you. I will provide for you. I am Jehovah Nisi. I will fight your battles. I am Jehovah Rapha. I will heal your body. I am Jehovah Jireh. Come on, I will provide. Come on, I am Jehovah Jehovah Shalom. I will bring you peace. I am your God. Don't worry, I'm with you. But God, I'm with you. No way, I'm with you. I can't do it. I'm with you. I'm broken. I'm with you. I sinned five minutes ago. I'm with you. Oh, my marriage is falling apart. I'm with you. I just lost my job. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I died for you. That's why. So you can make a difference. I'm going to make a way don't you worry, I'm on your side, I'm with you, God is wanting to remind you today that God is calling you despite your excuses. Now something I realized about this verse, that if I I look in the book of Exodus, I remember something, I was actually hit with this thought in Exodus chapter 7, it's really interesting because all of a sudden he starts to, the, the, the author starts to talk about genealogies like in the very middle of the story, he's like, you know, and, and God and Abraham got it. And then, he's like, and then Abraham or Abraham begot so and so and so and so. And I was like, what the? What's going on? Why is there a genealogy? This is terrible. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, Moses wrote this. Moses was writing about how he was so unwilling. Moses was sitting there in his tent with the glory of God all around him you know Joshua's in there hanging out and Moses is sitting back with his Apple Pencil and his iPad saying okay let's just reflect back on the last 120 years of my life he says he's looking back seeking to himself okay I remember the reality of the challenge of the journey to follow God. The, 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 you know, I'm on the other side of it. We've gone through the Red Sea. He's provided manna. He's provided the, the, the Ten Commandments. He's provided uh, food and water and provision and protection. And here we are at the end of our journey. We're about to walk into the promised land. And I'm being reminded as I pen this journey, man, how stinking unwilling that I was. <laughs> I really didn't do what God wanted me to do. He looked back on his life and he noticed, man, I was unwilling. I pushed against God. I protested. I argued. But the reality is this. God kept speaking. God kept calling. God kept extending grace. The lie that we accept in our hearts is that I have to be perfect to be used by God. And that is just not the truth. Moses writes on his life and says, man, I guess I just wasn't as meek and, and humble as I thought I was. Here I am in 20 years later, I'm a face-to-face friend with God because I realized, boy, I was a really hard guy to deal with then. But man, I said yes to God and look at what he's done. You know, I, I need you to hear this today that, that you and I will never be completely perfect in our surrender to God you'll never come to a place where you're completely surrendered every step and every season will require a battle with insecurity a battle with a struggle so if you think that obeying god means things are just going to be our world wants you to think that if you like a lot of churches might want you to think and preachers might want you to think man you serve god you're gonna be rich baby You serve God, your relationships are going to be like like Eden, man. Man, the sex will be crazy. The relationships will be amazing. Your finances will be incredible. Your your bonus is going to be bigger than ever. Hallelujah. Here comes the Rolls Royce. We think, oh, yeah, man. I say yes to God. Everything's going to be perfect. Now, will we experience the unfounded, incredible blessing of our Heavenly Father? Yes, but you need to know this. When you say yes to God, it's a battle every time. Every time God asks us to do something, we hope we're gonna respond better, but how many know we don't? Every time we think it's gonna get easier and easier to say yes to God, it gets harder and harder. Why? Because our insecurities remain. Our fears remain. Our concerns remain. The sacrifice is still huge. Every step is still a challenge. Last year, I was able to get, not me as an example. Last year, I was able to give 10,000. God's asked me to give 20. And I'm like, oh God, I can't do it yet. Last year, I saw when I did that, he blessed me supernaturally. And I'm like, wow, look what God did. He really did provide, but it was so hard to give that up God is asking us to give things up in our lives and yes it's hard yes it's difficult yes it requires tears yes there's grief yes you won't like it that's just the reality Paul identifies this actually in Romans chapter 7 that there is something within us that will always fight against the obedience to God in Romans chapter 7 it says this I know that I'm rotten through and through so as far as my old sinful nature is concerned no matter which way i turn i can't make myself do right i want i want to but i can't and when i do good i don't and when i try not to do wrong i do it anyway sounds like a schizophrenic person but if i'm doing what i don't want to do it's plain where the trouble is sin still has me in its evil grasp it seems to be a fact of life that when i want to do what's right it's inevitably wrong that i do I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is my new life tells me to do right but the old nature that is still inside me loves to say, oh what a terrible predicament that I'm in it just never gets easy to say yes to God now you can learn from experience that when I do say yes the, be- the benefits of that are far greater than saying no but how many of you know that saying yes to God the sacrifices often get larger and larger as I get older the expectations for God's You know, for me to be obedient quickly gets larger and larger. Why? Because I've served him for so long. At this point in the journey, God's like, Ryan, haven't you learned that when I tell you to do something, you should just say yes. But it's something in me that just wants to fight for how I want things to be done and how I want things to look. Yet through it all, God still pursues us. He still speaks to you. In your insecurity and in your fear and frustration and physical challenges, despite all these things, he continues, you know, to to speak to you. What Moses could have done is, Moses could have left that out. Someone's setting the alarm for our building. What Moses could have done, Moses could have left all of that out. Don't you consider that for a minute? (laughs) He could have written this story and been like... Man, I was so willing to serve God. Everyone's like, oh, Moses is so amazing. But God, the Holy Spirit prompted Moses to air out his dirty laundry for all thousands and millions and billions of people. See, <laughs> I want everyone to know, Moses, how unwilling you were to serve me, and yet how willing I was to make a way despite. <laughs> I want the world to see that I'm not a God that expects perfection, but I'm a God that hopes for willingness that I'm not a God that will force you to do anything, but I am a God that will work with your yes, just a small ounce of yes. And the scripture says, even a small little itty bit of mustard seed faith. See, what Moses did was that Moses eventually came to a place where he did actually do exactly what God asked him to do. Look what the scripture says. And then the Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this uh, uh, that this I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your your prophet. And when I raise my powerful hand and and bring out the Israelites, the, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. This is where God's bringing you on your journey to a place where you'll do just as the Lord commanded you. They'll just say, okay, Lord, I know that there's areas of my life where I've fallen short. I know there's areas of my life, but God, but I feel like there's a separation between us. I want to read the scripture to you today in Romans chapter eight. Look what it says. For I'm convinced that nothing could ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels won't. All the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow for where we, uh, for where we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will ever be able to separate us for the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ, when he died for us. Now, as I end today, I want to end with this thought. Many of us disqualify ourselves from saying yes to God, and we stay a follower of Jesus, and we stay kind of in our comfort zone. But we think that our mistakes of our past, or our failures, or whatever's going on, disqualifies us. And the Scripture shows us that nothing separates you from God's love. He's still calling you. He's still pursuing you even towards the very end this is one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible in Exodus chapter 20 Moses is standing before the people of God once again there's no water and God goes before the people and the scripture very clearly identifies that Moses is very angry and he comes to God and says God, he's not mad at God, he's ticked at the people he says these stinking ridiculous people like what's wrong with them We've been doing this for 40 years and God's provided and here we are and still they're wanting to murder me and hire another pastor. They keep wanting to go back to Egypt. We're 40 years into this journey and God says, I want you to gather, they very different, I want you to gather the entire group of people the whole people of israel and i want you to listen take your staff but this time moses for the first time in 40 years i want you to speak i want to use you in your weakness moses as we bring this to a close as we cross into the promised land i want to come back to my original intention i want to use you I never wanted Aaron, I mean, he's great, I love him. He's a nice guy, you know, he's a good support, he's a great speaker, and that's amazing. I got a call for his life, but I had you in mind for this purpose. (laughs) You know the story, maybe you don't, Moses walks out. He looks at the people, and I love the story, he says, you rebels! Listen, must I bring water from this rock? picks his staff up and he slaps the rock. Nothing happens. First time, 40 years, God doesn't come through. And Moses is like, takes the staff again, slaps the rock again. And the Bible says that God used the staff, used the old way, water came gushing out. But he said, Moses, because you've not upheld my name as holy, you will not go into the promised land. Think about this, 120 years and Moses is now standing at the very gateway of the physical promised land. And it says in the scripture that Moses walked to the very top of Mount Nebo and he looked to the east and to the west and the north and the south and God says, look, all that I had for you and what I was going to bring you into. And it says that day, Moses laid down and died. He did not go into the physical promised land. Now, if I were to end today, that'd be pretty darn discouraging, wouldn't it? (laughs) But I need you to see something so beautiful about God. Even though Moses, even towards the end of his life, was unwilling, he was willing, but he just had still such insecurity about his impediment and his issues. Even though that was the very thing that physically on the planet kept him from seeing all that God had for him, I need you to know that God wasn't done with him. Even though he didn't walk into his physical promised land, you better believe he walked into his spiritual one. Because you know what? Many years later, we see that Jesus is standing on the top of a mountain. And he said, very simply, days Jesus took Peter, James, and the brother John to the top of the high and lonely hill. And as they watched, his appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white. And suddenly Moses appeared. What's Moses doing here? He was a failure. Not in God's eyes. Later, a few books later, the author of Hebrews, chapter 11 of Hebrews, the hallmark of faith, writing about Moses, about how Moses lived by faith and walked by faith and served by faith and he did things by faith, by faith, by faith. What God saw was his willingness, not his failure didn't see the insecurity God didn't see the issue he didn't see the, the thing about your face you don't like or he didn't see the internal issue that you have does he want to help you with the sin and work it out of your life absolutely but did it disqualify Moses from experiencing what God had for him well physically yeah he didn't go in but he sure did a lot for God God says this I had so much more for you Moses but I get it man you're a human and you've got insecurities and I know you very well my son So even though I had a lot more for you on the planet, don't worry, son. You've been faithful with your willingness through your insecurities and your fears. And now when you get to heaven, trust me, I got a lot planned for you. And Jesus talked about Moses and Paul talked about Moses and he showed up as a representation of the old law and Elijah representation of the prophets. And here's Jesus fulfilling the three used as a perfect example of what faith looks like. I'm here to stir you up today to know you could be sitting right now in your no and living in Midian when God wants you to get going back to Egypt. And you think your job loss or you think your marriage situation or you think the situations you're facing or the, how you look or the thing you're dealing with or the internal fear or the insecurity or the mental illness, you think, oh, that called No, no, no. Those are the things God's saying, hey, I know about those things. I'm still calling you. He's got something great for each of your lives and it's bigger than what you're doing now. It's higher than what you're doing now. It's farther than what you're doing now. And I want to prophesy that to you today to Love City Church, to wake up to the reality that God has so much more for you, but it does take a sacrificial, obedient, yes, God, I know I got this in my life, but the answer's.